0: you miss robin take your bibles if you would this morning turn to mark chapter 12 this morning mark chapter 12 i would ask you to be in prayer brother travis mentioned this prayer by our gator tracks i mentioned the announcements please pray it does not rain please pray that we've been having a lot of rain and thankfully so uh but we will be praying we'll be passing those out next saturday evening and uh, we've been having a lot of rain at night so please pray that it would not rain and that uh, god would allow us to pass out as many attractions as possible for the glory of god and the furtherance of the kingdom of god mark chapter 12 this morning starting in verse 1 and he began to speak unto them by parables a certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat built a tower and led it out to the husbandman and went into a far country At a season he sent to the husband a servant that he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit of the vineyard. They caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another. And him they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. Verse 6. Having yet, therefore, one son is well beloved. He sent him also last unto them, saying, "We will, they will never, they will reverence my son." But those husbandmen said among themselves, "This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours." And they took him, and killed him, and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. And have ye not read the scripture? The stone which the the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. They sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. Gracious Father, We thank you once again for your precious, powerful, preserved word that we have here this morning. Thank you, Father, that each day we can read it, we can meditate on it, we can study it. But most importantly, help us to heed it. Oh, oh, if Jerusalem, oh, if the people back then would have heeded the words of Jesus. What a different outcome there would have been. Oh, if we in America would only heed your word, how different things would be oh if we as a church would only heed your word how different things would be and oh if we as individual christians we who know you by name if we only heeded your warning your many warnings through your scriptures and through circumstances through people even through creation how different our lives would be oh god i pray you'd hear the help us to hear the warning from your word this morning, the warning from the Holy Spirit of God is, is the Spirit of God speaks that still small voice into our hearts. Oh, God, I pray you would give us ears to hear. May the truth goes down to the innermost part of our belly. Help us to understand, to grasp the truth that you're trying to tell us this morning. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. The passage here is a parable. A parable by christ which illustrates of course a little bit of the history of israel and how they rejected both divine truth and actually god's servants themselves what is a parable a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly message it's an earthly story with a heavenly message jesus spoke in parables the religious leaders had rejected him the people primarily had rejected his message and so now he speaks in parables to them. Kind of like you try to sp- s- explain something to someone plainly. But then you have to tell a story or share a story, not because they don't get it, not because they didn't understand it, because these people actually did not want to understand it. They did not want to get it. And so Jesus explained things in parable. And we saw that in Mark chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible says, and he said unto them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, Unto you is given known the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them that are without, all things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and perceive, and not perceive; and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. He spoke in parables, in a sense primarily because this was a punishment; they weren't getting the truth; they rejected the truth. This parable, as I mentioned. Has a lot of background, as much as the Scripture does in the Old Testament. If you want to turn, you can turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter five. Isaiah chapter five this morning. Look a bit, a little more about the history of what Jesus actually sang in this parable. Of course, Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus, through the through men, the Holy Spirit uh, gave us the Word of God, so He would know the Old Testament and be able to quote from it. And his thought pattern it goes back to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's read that. I'll read that to you this morning. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1. Now I will sing unto my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard, my well-beloved, at the vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with a choiceless vine and built a tower in the midst of it. Also made a winepress therein and looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth Brought forth wild grapes. Verse 3, And now the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the men of Judah, Judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, What could have been done more to my vineyard That I could not done in it? Whereon that I looked, and that it should bring forth grapes, Brought it forth, wild grapes? And now go, to I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, And shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, And it shall be trodden down. I will lay it to waste, it It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the man of Judah, his pleasant plant, and look for judgment. Behold oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry. We see this is is some of the background. Turn back to Mark chapter 12 and verse 1. This morning we're going to look at what can we learn from this parable, this parable of the vineyard. Well, first of all, we see the vineyard for the caretakers. The vineyard for the caretakers in verse one. The Bible says, a certain man planted a vineyard. We're the laying out of the vineyard. There was this man who, who had, of course, some wealth, and he decided to plant a vineyard. If you want fruit, you have to plant, amen? If you want folks to be saved, you have to share the gospel. That's why we're going out this coming Saturday, and the next Saturday, and maybe even the next Saturday, to, sh- to put some seeds out. You say, preacher, how many people be saved? It, doesn't ma- it matters, but the mo- most important thing is that we plant. A lot of folks say, well, I'm not going to do it if I don't see something happen. You'll never do anything in life like that, folks. You have to plant. Some people plant some people water but god gets the increase the most important thing as we as messengers do is to plant are you planting are you planning Oh dear friend god has called us to plant to plant that might be at the university of florida that might be your next door neighbor that might be at the lady at walmart that might be the person broke down on the side of the road you never know but wherever you are plant the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man planted. God is the person who owns this vineyard. He owns everything. Second, not only do you see the planting? We see the protecting. The Bible says he set up a hedge about it, built a tower. He planted the vineyard and he took care of the vineyard. It was much like Florida, though, of course, Israel is a little bit different than Florida. more of an arid uh, location. Uh, he, he had to know, take care of the property. Anytime you have property, as you homeowners well know, you have to take care of it. Uh, you're, you're killing ants. You're killing fire, if you're not killing fire ants in Florida, you're living with fire ants. If you're not killing cockroaches in Florida, you're living with the cockroaches. If you're not taking care of weeds, they're coming in and living with you. I mean, if you're not killing cockroaches and fire ants and weeds on almost a daily basis, they're just going to take over your whole house. That's just what you have to do. You say, I don't want to. Well, you're going to be living with cockroaches and fire ants and weeds all your life. Because that's what it is in Florida. And then you're going to have to kill the mildew, amen? That's just on your, between 2 or 3 in the morning when you're done with everything else. Well, it's just part of life. He, had to, he took care of the vineyard. He took care of it. He protected it. What does the Bible say about it? He, he built a hedge about it hedges were things they, they used to keep other things out the critters the, the intruders the problems uh, if you if you live in Florida there's critters uh, there's there's uh, raccoons there's there's uh, there's foxes uh, there's 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 critters called snakes and gators there's there's all type of critters if you if you don't want the critters to come into your house or your area you got to protect them you got to put up hedges not only did he put up hedges the bible says there was a tower that was put up towers built for the watchman so that he could see from a distance people who would try to come in and, and steal from the vineyard the vineyard of course is Israel who who God protects so we see the planting, we see the protecting, we see the process. They dig the place for the wine fat. That was the wine press. The purpose of all of this was to produce uh, grapes. Actually, grapes, and then, of course, from grapes to get the good Welch's grape juice. Amen? That's what they were trying to do. So we see the vineyard here, the laying out of the vineyard, but the leasing of the vineyard, he let it out to husbandmen, the man who did this. The wealthy man who did this, who had this land, said, I'm not going to stay here and do this. It was a very common thing to do in Israel. It was to have a piece of property, to take care of it, to, to, to clear it out, to, to plant things, to plant grapes. And then, and, and then to put you know, all the protection that needs to be, the, the, the hedges and the, the tower. And then they said, well, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go down the way. I'm going to do this somewhere else. So he leased it out and rented it out to a husbandman. A husbandman had a privilege. It was a privilege. He had the opportunity to take this over, to to watch over it, to help it, to protect it. uh, And and, and by the grace of God, to see it flourish and, and help the needs, not only for him, but the community and ultimately take care of the person who owned the property. But there was a price. It wasn't going to just be free. The price of it was the fruit itself. The fruit itself. The husbandman in this parable was the religious leaders. Unfortunately, the false religious leaders. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who knew the law. I'm reading through the book of Zechariah right now, in my Bible reading, and he talks about, the Lord talks continually about the shepherds, the false shepherds who did not teach the sheep properly. There's a warning for us who have knowledge of the word of God to teach it properly, to to proclaim it in a, in a pure fashion, so that people will learn, they will grow, and will be helped in their relationship with God. These religious leaders, as we talked about many times in the past, the Pharisees and the Sadducees especially, set up law as the standard for righteousness. But dear friend, righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is through who you know. And that's what they were doing. They said, well, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be righteous. And unfortunately, in the United States of America, people still think that. They think by coming to church, they're righteous. By giving a tithe, they get righteous. If they get dunked in that pool 70 times times 7, they get righteous. <laughs> if we just do a bunch of things, they'll get righteous. Righteousness is not by the works of the law, but through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can work. You can do things. You can be busy, but without a right relationship with Jesus Christ, it is not. And dear friend, there are billions of people, yay, maybe trillions of people in hell today, who thought by doing something, they'd get themselves in heaven. Because they listened to false teachers who told them, if you do A, B, C, you will be in heaven forever. And they are wrong. And dear friend, you'll find those people in churches all down this road right here sad to say in most many might say most churches in America there is the gospel unfortunately the false gospel of works and I believed it myself growing up in Greenville South Carolina where there was Baptist churches or Methodist Church on just about every corner as I was reminded I went back there last weekend I was taught the, the false gospel of works That if I did these things, somehow, some way, I would get to heaven. That's what these false teachers were teaching. So, we see the vineyard for the caretakers. Dear friends, we've been given a property. We've been given some opportunities by God, haven't we? We've been given a responsibility by God to take care of things. We, as, as God's people, ought to be faithful to doing God's will while we have the opportunity. We need to be living for God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28 Now, little children abide in him, that he shall appear, may have confidence, and not be ashamed before his coming. Proverbs 20, verse 6 Most men will proclaim everyone his goodness, but a faithful man who can find. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards, that's managers that are people who's been given responsibility that a man be found faithful. You see, preacher, what can I do for God? Be faithful in everything you have in life. If you're a choir member, be faithful to choir. If you've been tasked to serve in the nursery, be faithful to be in the nursery. If you've been tasked to play an instrument or teach a Sunday school class or do anything for Jesus, shake somebody's hand be faithful where you're at oh dear god we need more people that are faithful oh if we had some more folks who actually voted last week instead of 29 percent might change the outcome of the elections a little bit but people abdicated their responsibilities as citizens of the united states of america and didn't even vote how shameful it is how shameful and dear friends in america we as christians are abdicating our responsibility not to live for God and the problem as I've said many times is not up there in the White House it's us the problem comes back to us we've been given great responsibilities to live for God to be faithful in our homes in our church in our workplaces for God are we I heard a story about Hudson Taylor the great missionary he was Get ready to preach in Birmingham, England. It was a stormy night, and he thought to himself, I'm not going to go. It's just too stormy. It's too bad. You know, it's easy to make excuses when you don't want to do something, right? I I don't think I'll make it. I I don't think I'll go. I I don't think I should do it. But he said to himself, there might be a few people, even on this stormy night, who might come to church. I better go. So he went. And there was just maybe like a dozen folks there. And he preached that night. And the power of God came by. And half the people, even though it was a small number, half the people in that congregation went out as missionaries. From that one meeting and the rest that were not there, gave to his mission fund. You see, dear friend, little is much when God is in it. You say, you look around and say, preacher, there should be more people here. Yeah, there should be, but thank God you're here. Dear friend, don't focus so much on what other people are doing. You do right and live for God where you're at. And then you won't get discouraged and get frustrated and wonder where everybody else is at. You do right. You do right. We see the vineyard and the caretakers, but secondly, the violence in the caretakers. In the, the renters or, or ter- caretakers were not good people. Uh, they didn't have good character. We see, first of all here, the prompting of the violence in verse 2, in the season, they sent the husband or caretakers a servant that he might receive from the husband of the fruit of the vineyard. The, the 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 man uh, of course represents here God uh, sent servants uh, and, and to try to you know get some of the produce uh, the 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 juice of course from this vineyard to to, to take get the what is what he he put in money in it he's taking he's paying for these uh, the properties he's put up uh, thorns he's put up a, a watchtower and now he says hey I want to get something from that so he sends servants out to to get some of the produce to get some of the, the juice the grapes from this vineyard what do they do they didn't come in and say hey come on in it's good to see you come on in take care of what you need uh, we're so glad for the opportunity we're thankful for the opportunity tell your master how great it is and what a privilege it is to be able to take care of this vineyard that's what it should have been right that's what their attitude should have been i mean aren't we supposed to have the attitude of gratitude aren't we supposed to look around and say lord thank you for the rain today lord thank you for the sunshine of the day Thank you, Lord, I'm not in the hospital this day. Thank you, I'm not dying today. Thank you, I'm not nursing home today. Thank you, I'm alive today. Thank you, I have health today. Every day we get up, we ought to praise the Lord for what we have, what we've been given. Instead of pouting and complaining about every little thing that comes around our path, we ought to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's how we're supposed to act, have an attitude of gratitude. Dear friend, let me say, parents, if you don't have the attitude of gratitude, I guarantee you, your kids won't. I'll say it again. Parents, if you don't have the attitude of gratitude, I guarantee you, your kids won't. Do you, mom and dad, have an attitude of gratitude? Do you, grandparents, have an attitude of gratitude? Thankful, grateful, praising God for everything you have? Have it. Have it. And if you don't have it, tomorrow morning when you get up, choose to have it. Choose to have it. Because even in bad circumstance, you can praise the Lord. Look at the life of Daniel. Look at the life of Joseph. Look at the life of Jesus, Peter, Paul, and even Mary. Oh, they had an attitude. Unfortunately, they had a bad attitude. What did they do? We see the collecting of the rent <laughs> and the character of the renters. The renters here, they instead of showing gratitude and character, they, they sh- showed violence. Uh, they, they didn't treat the, those folks who came, the servants, very well. The people in the, in the violence, the servant, they sent. How did they treat him? They, they treat him harmfully. They, the Bible says here they in verse in verse 3, they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. <laughs> That's not some, some way to treat somebody who's coming that basically is helping you, trying to get the, the produce from what's being produced. In verse 4 it says, and again, he sent him unto the another a servant, and they cast him out in stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully. They beat him they sent him away <laughs> and they did it they did it they did it to the people and, and they, they did it persistently they did it once and then again and then again they kept on doing it, it wasn't a one-time thing it was the way of life dear friend there's one thing. one time we all stumble sometimes but what is the pattern of their life these people which is speaking of israel continually mistreated god's people didn't they I mean, if you read the Old Testament, it's why it's so important to read the Old Testament. You go back from Samuel, you go out through the Judges, you go to Isaiah, you go to Jeremiah, you go through Malachi and Haggai and and all these different prophets. You see how they were treated, how were treated by Israel. Isaiah said, believed during Manasseh's time, was sawn asunder, cut in half. God sent these people rising up early and proclaiming the truth from the Word of God. And what did they do? They didn't accept them. They weren't grateful for them. They primarily rejected them. What's happening in America right now? People are primarily rejecting the Word of God. That's what's happening right now. If people, if people are not getting their ears tickled... If people aren't getting entertained, if they're not getting what they want in Starbucks, a cup of coffee, A.C., uh, a laid-back chair, they ain't happy. They want church their way. Dear friend, church ain't your way, church God's way. This ain't my church, this is God's church. We're just doing it how he wants us to do it. If he wants to do it something different, he tells tell us a different way. We're supposed to live according to what he wants, not according to how we want. They didn't want to hear the word of god they rejected the word of god so much they were willing to put the prophets to death that's why you're hearing fewer and fewer and fewer people get up behind the word of god and saying thus saith the lord instead they're saying get up behind the pulpit and say, now what do you want to hear today won't want to offend you dear friend when we have preachers who won't preach to offend we've lost the power in the pulpit we have to say what does the bible say my job is not to say what i want to say my job is to say what's the bible say and let it just do its work because the power is not in my speech or oratory skills or illustrations or opinion. The power is in the Word of God. What does the Bible say? <laughs> These servants, they rejected Him. You see, the people in the surfing, the particulars of the violence, the persistency of the violence. Not only that, the pinnacle of the violence. They, they, they saw the Son would become. He would come. The Bible says in verse 6. And Having there yet, therefore, one son, this well beloved, he sent him at last, saying to him, we, <laughs> "Saying they will, they will reverence my son. You would think so, knowing the husband had just one heir, just one, just one, not many, not several, but just one. They think, well, surely I'll send him, and they'll reverence him. They'll appreciate him for all that that I, as the as the as the person who owns this vineyard, surely they'll take care of him. Surely they'll they'll help him. They'll encourage him. They'll 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 take care of him." What do they do? Oh, the Bible says about him. But those husbands, in verse 7, said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. Wow. The total opposite of what they should have done, they did. But, dear friends, that's exactly what they did to Jesus. If anybody they should have accepted, they should have accepted Jesus. When they saw his miracles, they should have accepted him. When they saw his manner of life, they should have accepted him. When they saw heard his teaching they should have accepted him he came into his own and his own received him not do not be a do not be surprised dear christian if you go and tell the truth to your loved ones and they don't receive you do not be a surprise dear friend if you go to your workplace tomorrow morning and tell people about what god did in your heart and how thankful you are do not be surprised if they don't look at you with a smile on their face don't be surprised if you post on social media what God has just done in your heart and you only get one like. And that one person who likes you likes everything. they just a liker in the church. Don't be surprised. Dear friend, if they rejected Jesus Christ who did not sin, they're going to reject you too. Amen. Expect it. Prepare for. it. They were wrong. The husbandman presumed that killing the son would solve all their problems, we'll take care of him, and that would solve all the problems. That's the wrong thing about perception. I read in 1948, the presidential contest between Harry Truman and Tom Dewey. I did not even remember reading about Tom Dewey, but Tom Dewey looked like he was gonna be the winner of that presidential race. On election night, Tom Dewey's wife came to Tom and said, I guess tonight I get to sleep with the president of the United States of America. And the husband said, well, that will be a high honor. And frankly, darling, I look forward to being the president of the United States of America. The next day, she said, tell me, Tom, am I going to Washington or is Harry coming here? Oh, he thought he'd won. He thought it was over. He thought he'd won the whole race. But as you well know from history, Harry Truman won the race. Oh, dear friend, when we presume presume against God, when we think something's gonna be a certain way, we often get ourselves in trouble. Always best to go back to what does the Bible say? What does the truth say? What do I know is right, not what I think is right, or what could be right, or what does the how does the wind blow, or how does what does the poll say or what's popular? No, go back and say what is right by the grace of God, let's do right. These people did right. They cast this one who had been killed out of the vineyard and jesus also suffered without the gate according to hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 the city of jerusalem and his crucifixion so we see the vineyard for the caretakers the violence of the caretakers but finally this morning the vengeance of the caretakers you would think well surely this one who owns a property you know how is he going to (laughs) react how's he going to react to the the fact that he sent his servants and his son ultimately to to be rejected and killed and thrown outside the gate well the bible says in verse 9 he will come and destroy the husbandman oh dear friend there's coming a judgment there is coming a judgment you say is god a god of judgment oh yes he is if you were with us through over a year in the book studying through the book of Revelation, you know God is a God of love. Oh yes he is. He's a God of mercy. Oh thank God he is. He's a God of grace. Oh thank God he is, but dear friend, let, let not yourself think that God is not a God of judgment. Oh yes he is. Oh yes he is. The Bible says in 1st 1st second Thessalonians chapter 8 verse 9 uh, for chapter 1 verse 8 and verse 9 flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Dear friend, just as it is true, and thank God there is a heaven that we sing about, just as true there is a hell to to flee. Just as true as we preach heaven is sweet, we need to preach hell is hot. It used to be in the United States of America very often we would hear old hellfire and damnation preaching. Uh, with my car that I got, I, I have a, it's called XM Radio, it's satellite radio for a little time. They give me some, give me time. I got to, I've been listening to the old, old sermons, Brother Tiny, of, of uh, Brother Graham, Billy Graham. I mean, when he was young, when he was in his 20s and 30s and 40s, and he's, he was a whole lot different preacher than he was when he got in his 60s, 70s, and I think 80s. He would preach hard, so hard, almost it's like, woo! I got to turn that down. He's preaching tough. That's the way it used to be. It used to be different. People could take it and tolerate it. Why? Because they knew it was the truth. The truth about themselves. The truth about society. Oh, dear friend, there's, there's judgment coming. We see the ruin in the vengeance that's going to destroy the husband. The replacement in the vengeance, he will give the vineyard to other people. It's not going to destroy the entire pe- the place. God's not going to destroy the, the land of Israel. Actually, the land of Israel is going to be for the children of, of Abraham eventually. But the people who were taking care of it then, they would be destroyed. The repeating of the vengeance, the stone which the builders rejected, become the, the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Rejection about the vengeance the people he was speaking to, the people he was preaching to, the people he was giving the parable to, they heard this story, and finally they realized who he was talking to. He wasn't talking about some theory. He wasn't talking about some people way in the past. He wasn't talking about some people in the, in the, way in the future, though it had it had truth to the future. He was talking to the people right in front of them. These people, the ones who said... Hallelujah, praise God, as he came into the city. Who will just in a few days from now, because this is Wednesday, this is Wednesday, Friday's coming. They will say, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, is marvelous in our eyes. That's one Psalm one eighteen twenty three. 23, I believe, one of the theme verses of our church. We think of it as a good thing, and it is, but in context, even the judgment of God is good in his eyes. Why? Because it is the very will of God. It is the very will of God. We see the repeating of it. We see the recognition about it. They knew not what had been spoken in the parable against him, as in many different accounts. This account is in. Not only Mark, but it's in Matthew and Luke, and actually in the Luke's gospel, one of the people from the crowd actually cried out, Lord, may it not be! Don't don't let this happen to us! Uh, They didn't want it! Sure they didn't want it! They didn't want the destruction. They didn't want the sorrow. They didn't want the pain. But you, you ever been as a parent where you had to discipline your child, and now they say, oh, Mama, I'll obey now? Oh, don't spank me. I promise I'll never do that again. Now, when you were telling him after the 20th time, that's usually how many times it takes. Don't do that. 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 Oh, I, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. Now the paddle comes out. I promise I'll never do it again. You done told him 20 times to stop doing it. It should have been after the first time, mom and dad. It should have been after the first time. But oftentimes it's after the 20th time. To be honest be honest and now you're gonna get the paddle out and now they cry for mercy and now they'll say they will obey but dear friend you know them (laughs) as soon as you take that paddle back five minutes later they're doing the same thing they told you they would never do they're doing it these people cried out for mercy now oh may it never be oh but don't let it happen to us lord jesus but dear friend it's coming judgment is coming judgment is coming the rejection in spite of the vengeance. They sought how to lay hold on him, but they feared the people and left them and went their way. They desired to lay hands on him. They sought to lay hold on him. They, they, they the, the, the dread to lay holds on him, but they feared the people. They feared the people. Oh, they was going to find a way through Judas, as you well know. They was going to pay him 30 pieces of silver to, to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. They were feared him at this time, but it was coming a time of judgment jesus would be betrayed he'd be rejected he'd be crucified he would be murdered and dear friend all of this was the very will of god so that you and i could have everlasting life how sad it was would judgment come to these people 70 a.d roman general by titus would come in he would he would level the place jesus was preaching the truth judgment is coming judgment is coming and it came judgment came i was watching an interesting commentary about hurricane katrina 17 years ago and i know 17 years ago because a few days before the hurricane hit on august 29th 2005 my wife were in in the hospital in lee county gulf coast hospital we were looking up at the monitors. My wife was getting ready to give birth to our son. Katrina was coming around, if you remember, just the bottom part of the Keys. And it was making its way up towards, which they didn't know at the time, up towards the Gulf. They didn't know which way it was going to go. Was it going toward Texas? Was it going to go towards Florida? Was it going to go up towards New Orleans? They didn't know which way it was going to go. But ultimately, we know it hit near New Orleans. And they killed over, over 180,000 people. No, how many? I think, oh, billions, billions of dam- damage, just terrible, all types of trouble and problems that happened. But one particular story was the story of a hospital that was called Baptist Hospital. They changed the name to Memorial. I think they changed it again. The, the, the Interesting, the, the, the hospital had stood 80 years, all types of damages, all types of storms, went through all types of trouble. Stood the test of time. They thought as they went in there to the shelters, the rain came and the winds came. Oh, this place, will, it will stand. It, will be, it, will, it, it, it has always stood. For 80 years, it stood in this spot. It will be fine. The winds came, and they got through the storm. They got through the hurricane, but they didn't think about the water, the flood. You see, the levees broke, and the, and the floods came. And been, they, they were told if, if the water gets up to four feet, it will flood the basement. If it floods the basement, we'll lose power. Now, this was a hospital, actually two hospitals. The top level was a, was like a nursing home, a life care place. The bottom was an actual hospital. And not only was it the people and there, the staff and the, and, the, and, the, and the patients, they brought in other people from the street. And it was like a zoo in there. They had cats and dogs and all these animals. They were trying to take care of people in the community and people were coming in. And as you well know, it was chaotic there. It was chaotic. The water rose over four feet. The levees broke. The water came in. They lost power, and for three days in that hospital, no power. Water got shortage. No food. Medicine was getting thin. Outside help. It was crazy. Few people came with helicopters. Few came in with boats. But after it was all said and done, 45 people died at the hospital. 45. The sad thing about it is they were warned ahead of time. If this happens, if floods come, which they'll probably come, this is what's gonna happen to this hospital. And we will be in trouble. And dear friend, exactly what happened, what the people had told them before would possibly happen if these things happened, actually happened and lives were lost. And dear friends, it wasn't for the heroic efforts of those doctors and nurses and volunteers, even more would have died during that tragedy. The reality of life is, dear friends, we know as a country, judgment is coming. Yet the writing is it's already on the wall. It's coming. Luke chapter 20, about the same passage in verse 17. And they beheld him and said, What is it then is written, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? Whosoever shall fall upon the stone shall be broken. What's Jesus saying? If you fall on him who's the chief cornerstone and humble yourself and recognize you're wrong, you'll be broken. That's okay. We all need to humble ourselves and be broken about our sin. When's the last time you were broken about your lying, about your laziness, about your lust, about your thievery, about your pride? When's the last time you were really broken about your sin? was time was the last time you weep the last time you cried was the last time you got beside your bed and said oh God forgive me for this sin when's the last time you wept, you cried over that son that daughter that mother who's dying and going to hell today When's the last time you see we've gotten so apathetic we've gotten to oh well come what may you know it's just we are what we are no dear friend we need to humble ourselves jesus said it whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken oh but the second part but whosoever it shall fall it will grind him to powder oh how many people the stone is going to fall it's going to grind him to powder i'm talking about loved ones i'm talking about friends i'm talking about people you know that they've been rejecting God and rejecting God and rejecting God and rejecting God God and thumbing their nose to God. But one of these days, dear friend, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. We need to be praying for them. We need to be pleading with them. We need to be begging God for them. And we who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we need to be clean before God. We need to be right before God. You see, friend, we can't be Christians and live like any old way we want to live. The Bible says, the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and a fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. The truth of the scriptures is, we shall reap what we sow. If we sow righteousness, we will reap righteousness. But if we sow wickedness, It shall be returned unto us wickedness. May I ask you this morning, dear friend, what are you sowing? Are you sowing righteousness in your home? Are you sowing righteousness in your workplace? Are you sowing righteousness in your life? You'll reap righteousness. If you're sowing wickedness, my dear friend, as sure as you're sitting there right now, you will reap wickedness. You will. That's not the words of a Baptist preacher. That's promised in the Word of God. Dear friend, these folks rejected Jesus Christ. The majority of them right now are in hell. How are we going to live our lives as Christians? Humbly before our God or proud? I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than that church member. I'm better than that so-and-so. I'm better. No, dear friend. humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up may we be honest with ourselves and with god this morning gracious heavenly father we thank you for these powerful parables that you told to the jews who rejected you they despised your servants they killed your servants and they paid for their sin oh god help us as americans turn back to you Help us as Christians turn back to you. Help us personally in our lives to be honest about ourselves and turn back to you. Lord, look at our lives and and may we say, let the Lord show us if there be any wicked way in me, not my neighbor, not my brother, not my mama, not my dad, but is there any wicked way in me? And if there is, may we turn back to you. Oh God, Holy Spirit of God, search our hearts this morning. Help us to see the truth before it's too late. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe this room, this morning, you say, preacher, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm saved. Have you been playing games with God maybe for five years or 10 years or 30 or 40 years? You've been saying to yourself, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but you know you're not. Your actions don't reveal it. Your life doesn't reveal it. Your mind doesn't, doesn't show it. Nothing about you shows it. Are you, outwardly, you portray it, but inwardly, you know you're not say preacher heart of hearts i know i'm not saved i know i'm not a christian i want to be i don't want to die and go to hell i want to be saved would you pray for me anybody like that at all this morning i need to be saved dear friend it's not a prayer you say at five years five years old it's a personal relationship with god i have a personal relationship with god i don't and i know it but dear friend maybe you don't you're not sure of it would you like to pray and ask, ask god to save you today Would you pray for me, anybody at all, anybody at all I could pray for, anybody at all? You're saved today, but you've not been living for God the way you should. You've been proud. You've been comparing yourself to other people. You're making excuses and how you live, and even though you know you've not been right. As a preacher, I've not been living the way I should be. I complain too much. I argue too much. I've not been a witness at all. Oh God, the Holy Spirit of God showed me areas of my life I need to change. Would you pray for me, preacher? Anybody at all the day? Amen. Anybody else? Be honest this morning. I'm struggling, preacher. The only way to change it is to admit it. I'm struggling. Maybe your anger, maybe your attitude, maybe your actions, your wants. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being what I need to be, preacher. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else to stand to our feet? If God has spoken in your heart, the music will play now's the time dear friend to get right with god now's the time see judgment's coming if you don't change it may happen today i can't promise you anything i know one thing he judges the proud but gives grace to the humble would you humble yourself today i beg you would you humble yourself today before the hammer of god's judgment comes Would you humble yourself today and get right with God before it's too late? Listen to his still small voice.
1: Lord, once again, we humbly bow ourselves before you and thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this church, thank you for this church family. And Lord, uh, thank you for Calvary, thank you for a home in heaven. You said in John three, you said that who, whoever believes on you shall not be condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And I pray, Lord, if someone here does not know uh, Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and savior, that you show them their need before they leave today and. Lord, uh, what, what must I do to be saved is what, what the, the jailer said in the book of Acts. He said, believe on, this, on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Lord, thank you for a salvation that's sufficient, that there's nothing that we need to do, only our faith in your grace. And Lord, uh, let us not carry the uh, Laodicean spirit within us. Let us be faithful to church. Let us be faithful to our ministries. Let us be faithful to Um, in our witness to others in our testimony lord and we got a good crowd this morning i pray lord